Hello and welcome to episode 261 of Section 138. I'll be your host for this episode, Bryson Poza. Our usual host, Mark, was unable to join us for this episode, but he will be back at the end of the weekend to talk about the upcoming Tampa Bay or series with the Tampa Bay Rays. But of course, I'm joined alongside Jacob. Jacob, I'll tell you, it feels really good, especially after this week, to see the Jays playing back home after that long road trip to start the season. Feels good, and you know what else feels better is that I was the only one that didn't predict a sweep. So I'll take that one. <laughs> Uh, but no, it was, uh, I'm sure we'll get into it, not the greatest series for the team as a whole, but it was still nice to see them at home, and I mean, schedule's completely underway now. Absolutely underway, and that first home series out of the way, like you were talking about, unfortunately didn't, I guess, get the results that the Jays were exactly hoping for, or what Mark and I predicted for a sweep, but of course you can't complain coming away with two out of three, so I think it's appropriate to start. Uh, on the actual home opener, which was this past Tuesday, of course, the first time we're go- we all saw the newly renovated Rogers Center with the new dimensions, the new standing areas, the new places to watch the game. And of course, uh, it was centered around the start of Alec Manoa. We know how Alec Manoa performed. Uh, it's kind of been a common occurrence uh, since the start of the season. Of course, his last start in Kansas City was a little obviously better with seven scoreless, but still not executing his best pitches unfortunately and uh we we know that pretty much out of the gate so far Alec Mano has not been anywhere close to how we're used to seeing him pitch and of course uh the struggles that we use what we saw from Tuesday has been very similar to what we've seen the entire season uh struggling with command and I mean that second inning in particular for me was really rough I think uh it was around 32 pitches or something in that second inning and his movement was down from his average there wasn't a lot of swing and miss and there just seems to be, it doesn't seem to be the same Alec Manoa that we're used to seeing. So I guess I'll ask you out of the gate, three starts under his belt, one at home, of course. He started on opening day, and then he had the second start in Kansas City. Are you concerned with Alec Manoa? Am I concerned for him for the entire season? No. However, we know that this team is not playing for the regular season. They're playing to get into the playoffs. And you go back to it, the wild card, he was settled down, but not great. Home uh, opener. And then the season opener, all three of those starts were just not great. And it was tough. So we were sitting, um, we were uh, in that new outfield area. So I couldn't like fully see the strike zone. I mean, I made a joke to Mark a couple of times. I was like, from back here, that looks like a strike. I don't know how he's calling that a ball um, uh, back at home plate. But when I went back and I watched the highlights, yeah, he's, it's a combination of just missing his pitches, all of his pitches, and then just completely missing. And I think that's, all it really comes down to, like the stuff is there, but the problem is, is if you're missing with your fastball or you're missing with, you know, any of your pitches, you're not going to get people to swing and miss. Like if you're, if you're painting the corners and then getting a sweeping pitch that somebody just completely would normally swing at because you're throwing strikes, perfect. But he's missing on his pitches that are supposed to be strikes and then nobody's going to swing at the non-strikes. And I think that's just what's killing him. I think it still comes down to what I said a couple episodes ago. The nerves probably did get to him. And we saw on the video board, I'm, I'm pretty sure you could see it on the on the broadcast, but he did like a whole hat on his chest and he did like a solid meditation for a good 30 seconds there just to calm himself down. And I'm sure to some extent, you know, every player does that. I'm, I, mean, I can't imagine people just get fired. I mean, obviously, anyways, I'm sure he's that's just part of his thing. He's trying to meditate, trying to like calm himself down and be like, all right, I have the next three outs, I've got this, but it just, I'm not sure if it's working, and it, it's unfortunately gotten him two, or even three of his last four-ish, five starts, whatever it's been, so 
Not concerned about the whole season. He is scheduled to pitch on Sunday against uh, Rays, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so the Rays, I think he'll settle down. I mean, the Rays are a better team, but I'm sure he'll be a better pitcher. But I think what I'm more concerned about is even if he gains momentum all throughout the season, is he able to take that momentum into a meaningful game? Absolutely. And I mean, like you said, a tough task this weekend. The undefeated Tampa Bay Rays are coming to town. Uh, it should be a fun series. Of course, Jose Barrios is the one starting tonight. But yeah, like with with Alec Manoa, this is this is three times for me now where you look at it in terms of the lights being the brightest. Of course, you got the game one of the wild card last season. You had the home or the opening day this year and then the home opener this past Tuesday. Um I don't. It's hard for us to tell long term how, I guess this is going to be affected for him. But of course, it's just this is something that we're not used to seeing in terms of Al Quinoa struggling like he has been, and a lot of it has been centered around the the command issues and just the inefficiency. Of course, there's the whole velo talk, of course. But for me, that didn't seem to be too much. Uh, it doesn't seem to be too much of an issue long term. But of course, that's something that's been noted or noted uh, throughout his first three starts as well. So. For me, it just comes out to being command or his command and being more efficient. Once he does go back to that, from what we're used to seeing from last season, he'll be more efficient. I'm sure the swing and misses will come, but there's just there's no doubt right now when you look at this starting rotation one through five. I know Chris Batson had a good start yesterday in the Thursday game. Kevin Gosman has been that. I guess, only consistent starter that you've seen. We've talked about Chris Bassett's up and downs. Alec Manoa's, of course, up and downs now. Jose Barrios has been up and down. Yusei Kikuchi didn't have exactly the greatest start last week in Anaheim. So that's the concern right now for me is just the starting rotation and how inconsistent it's been out of the gate. Of course, Chris Bassett once again pitched good yesterday. That's definitely a sign of improvement you know, going on the right track. And then, of course, we're going to see what happens this weekend with Barrios uh, and Kikuchi. But, I mean, we saw Kevin Gosman uh, pitch a couple days ago in Game 2. And, I mean, his stuff, in comparison, was lights out again. I mean, you looked at what he did, eight innings of three-earned runs, striking out 11. That whole velo conversation as well, going back to what we talked about with Manoa Velocity. Kevin Gosman's velocity has also been down. But for me, after what we saw a couple days ago and, you know, the roof being open, the weather warming up, the velocity went back up, and that doesn't seem to be too much of an issue as it used to be. I mean, he produced 14 swings and misses uh, with the splitter, and of course, the great usage along with his fastball. He looks locked in right now, and really, for me, it's just you look at the consistency, what we've seen, and of course, especially at the back end of the rotation with Barrios and Kikuchi, it's a bit of a question mark, and then Alec Manoa, we know what's going on with him, of course, and hopefully he can get that sorted out. So I was going to ask you, based on what we've seen with this rotation now, and this was a question that was brought up on the uh, the broadcast, and of course, we had some sort of discussion about it kind of last episode where you were talking about skipping Barrios to start or whatnot. Or I was just going to ask you, with the uncertainty with Barrios and Kikuchi back-to-back and, of course, off days coming up, can you see uh, a sort of path where... In one of these off days coming up, they split up Barrios and Kikuchi, especially with Chris Bassett starting to pitch well now, because that's one guy who's pitching a lot better than we saw at the start. Do you think that there's a chance that Barrios and Kikuchi is split up to kind of, I guess, prevent the bullpen from being overworked uh, in two straight days? Because that's what we've seen so far this year when both of those guys have started. Of course, it's been inconsistent, especially with Jose Barrios. You say Kikuchi had a good first start, second start, not so much. Can you see some sort of path where that eventually happens, where you kind of put Bassett in between those two guys to split up the workload of the bullpen? I mean, it's an option. I think we need to see how this weekend series goes, because I'll be completely honest, I'm terrified for Jose Barrios tonight. 
<laughs> like, I don't know what to say. Like, he's not been good for over you. a year now. Yeah, but Yusei Kikuchi, I think he'll be a lot better. Like, yeah, there's the whole joke about Yusei Kikuchi winning the Cy Young and, like, the beards got the magic. But, like, I actually think he's not going to be terrible. I think he will be pretty good against the Rays. So, I, I just want to see how this goes. And if they both struggle, then it is an option to say, okay, yeah, we we clearly need to do something here. But... I don't know if skipping a start or, or breaking up their start in some capacity is the way you want to do it because then you got to deal with you know short rest uh, inevitably even if it's just one less day of short rest or of just regular rest. But if they do that, I and I know if Mark was here, he'd be just cringing in his seat. But I'm I'm gonna say it. If they were to try and break somebody up, Nate Pearson would have to be a factor in that. I'm not saying Ricky Tiedman because that's way too early, but I'm just saying if you have the arm. Your starting pitching is not doing well right now. Your bullpen's actually really good, and, you, and we didn't really touch on that, but they kept the Blue Jays in the game after Manoa left, uh, even in both games. I mean, except for Adam Simber's little bit of a blow-up. Uh, it wasn't even that costly, only one earned run. Or, or no, I think they actually got rid of that, or out of that. The run was in the next inning. So bullpen was great, but if you're going to do that, add somebody, I think, to your to your uh, bullpen, or, or anybody that can be some type of like long man and I don't want to say opener because I know that brings up a lot of bad pre-competitive no, window no. Uh, memories, but I think we just need to wait. I think maybe put a bookmark in this and we'll talk about this next series or next episode after we review the, the Rays series because if Kikuchi's doing well, especially against the Rays, like this is a good team. You talk about how the Rays haven't really had a good schedule. You say Kikuchi also kind of didn't have the greatest of opponents, I think, but... Anyways, I think that you you really need to see how this season or this series against Tampa Bay goes and do they struggle? And if I'm not saying like, do they just allow like a home run or allow a couple earned runs or even four runs? Like if you're just getting hit hard and your command's nowhere, then yeah, that's definitely an option. But I, I do want to see how this next series goes before I make that uh, distinctive call. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see that because once again, there's going to be off days coming up near the end of April. There's going to be an off day after that Astro series before New York and then Pretty much one week later, there's going to be another off day too. So technically, if they wanted to do it, it is an option for them. In terms of what you brought up, in terms of you know our famous uh, player on this ep- or on this podcast, I will not be bringing. I will not be talking about that. He's coming, He's but coming. not as a starter. He's coming as in the bullpen. Absolutely. He's playing if for a job a right now. It's not going to be him. Uh, that's the most I'm going to say because I think we've we've discussed that quite a bit since uh, I guess spring training, basically. So let's turn more on the bright side, though. I mean, we look we look at. I guess the offense from for the first two games of the series because it was non-existent in the third game. Of course, Matt Chapman remains the team's hottest hitter. I mean, you go on Tuesday's game out of the home opener, he goes two for four with the home run, and he just he's remaining involved in all these games in terms of his offense. I mean, he had a he had a nice at bat as well in the ninth inning. He was part of I guess the guys that loaded the bases along with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Dalton Varsho. He was part of. You know, just how they executed the, that comeback win on the second game in the series and how they were able to come back. Another uh, couple of players I was actually going to talk to you about was Kevin Kiermaier. I mean, we looked at what happened in the home opener, of course, him going over the wall to make that catch and just him at the at the plate. I mean, he's gotten off to a really good start. He's quickly becoming one of the best nine hitters in baseball right now. He seems to have simplified his game ever since coming over from the Rays. And just he's talked about it a little bit in terms of his approach at the plate. And not just trying to hit home runs all the time. That's something that he stated pretty much on the record a few times. He seems con- uh, confident. He seems comfortable with the Blue Jays. Of course, he had a big post game interview on the home opener, and um, it's just everything about that so far with Kevin Kiermaier 
has been nothing but success in terms of one of the most underrated signings for this team at the moment. And of course, it has the potential to do that for the rest of the year. But I mean, you look at that catch, that short wall in center field and what he did and pretty much stopped that home run. Both of us, we were on the left side of the diamond. So we were able to, both of us, we were able to see pretty much a good view of that catch. And from where I was sitting, it didn't look like he actually extended his arm back enough to catch that ball. But the fact when he came down with it, and I still didn't know if he had the ball or pretty much any of us until he showed his his glove up in the air. I mean, that's what you're getting in the outfield in terms of him contributing along with Springer and Varsho to be one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball. And the fact that Kiermaier is also hitting his best at the plate to start off the year. I mean, this is the best nine hitter in baseball right now. And this is also turning into one of the best overall outfields in the season so I was wondering if you agreed with me on that or not in terms of what we've seen with Kevin Kiermaier and if so what has impressed you the most uh, from Kiermaier I just think that he has really embraced this role I mean he yeah he's not really here to to provide offense but what did he do in the in the second game of the series first pitch in the 10th that bunt moves the runner over Springer then drives him in that's what he said he wants to do is turn the lineup over and he's done that well he's done that but he's also hit home runs obviously that home run in the home opener and like I, I can't say enough about what he's been doing so far and I mean just looking back at that catch in the home opener I was um I forgot what the place is called but it's like right above the Blue Jays bullpen at that like part or the that old Blue Jays central desk was yeah in left yeah, field. yeah yeah so I was like pretty much like on par with where he was and I just I was like holy crap did he just how the hell did he jump that high? But how did he, it was just so impressive. And I don't think I've screamed so hard in my life. Like that was, <laughs> it was just amazing to see that. But I think, yeah, like this, this uh, outfield, like the defense, the fact that you have three center fielders, I think tells you all you need to know about this. Like Kiermaier didn't play uh, in the last game. He just moved Varsho over without a question. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. He can play, play there. Or it, to me, I think that it's just, it's, it's three players who have the athleticism to play the center field position that don't have to cover that. So you do not at all need to worry about any type of of uh, play in the outfield. It's like, oh, no, that might drop or whatever might get behind someone. And even Springer, and I think it was the third game, he tried to dive almost like what he almost did in the wildcard game where he's like diving, probably catching it off a bounce. But he caught it and trapped it. And I think in previous years, if that's Teoscar Hernandez, that ball is going down to the uh, to the outfield wall. Maybe he shouldn't have dove, whatever. Um, it's a debate for another day. But still, he's able to trap it because of his ability to play center field. He's just a much more athletic outfielder. And, and I think that this bullpen, not this bullpen, this uh, outfield, it, it just looks it looks like it's ready to compete, I think is the best way to put it. Like, you do not have to worry about, oh, that might be an error. That might go to, even if it goes to the gap, it's not because the outfielders made a mistake. It's because the ball was going to go there anyways. And I can't say enough about what they've been doing. And, and even offensively, like you look at Dalton Varsho hitting well, getting those timely hits. Uh, George Springer kind of had a rough day yesterday, but still he's one of the best leadoff hitters in baseball. And then Kevin Kiermeyer, he's, t- you know, he's turning the lineup over to me. And it, I think it's just, it's reflective of the whole team is and the whole mentality of the team and the way it's constructed is that this team is ready to legitimately compete and they'll win in any way possible, whether it's, your nine hitter bunting and then your leadoff hitter who could hit a home run hitting a bloop single uh, through the middle of the infield. And I think that, yeah, the pitching has not been great. And yes, some guys are off to a little bit of a cold start, but I think the way that this team is built and the the way that they've they've emphasized run prevention, but that's also kind of increased the amount of runs you're scoring. It just, to me, it, it 
prove that this team is a lot better than last year. 100% it is in terms of what we've seen, of course. And that Springer play was definitely crucial too. the fact that he kind of changed his approach to just trap the ball. It's not like he was trying to catch that. So that was something that uh, was obviously very noticeable on the broadcast at that point. I mean, you, you briefly mentioned bullpen by mistake, but of course... Uh, it's definitely worth noting uh, the good series that they did have for the most part. I mean, you go back to the home opener when Alec Manoa left early, and I thought, first of all, when Zach Pop came in, he was the first reliever, and then after that it was followed by Swanson and Garcia, and then, of course, Anthony Bass closed things out in the ninth when the game was out of reach, and it was 9-3. But I thought just the Swanson and the Garcia duo, or I should say, you know, the back-to-back in the late innings, I think that's really solid and from what we've seen so far and in terms of uh, a first impression. Of course, Zach Pop as well, somebody who was one of the last guys to make the team in terms of being the 26th man or the 25th man, the last guy in the bullpen. You can't complain about what he's done so far as well. He's pitched really good out of the gate, and he was pretty important, uh, especially that home opener to keep the game in place, of course, because Alec Manoa only went four and a third. And then you, you go to the second game when Jordan Romano comes out in the ninth inning, he or even the top of the tenth, he keeps the uh, he keeps the game in reach, of course. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had that big stretch play, but the fact that they were able to get out of that without allowing a run, pretty much only just allowing for an RBI single from George Springer to win the game uh, in the bottom half, that was really important to see uh, from from the bullpen. Of course, it was a really good series for them. A couple other guys I'd like to ask you about uh, in terms of guys who have had slow starts to the season, which is Brandon Belt and Alejandro Kirk. I mean, both of them coming into this. Uh, homestand before Tuesday were awful at the play. There was no question in terms of Brandon Belt and uh, Alejandro Kirk just looking out of place, looking like their timing was, I guess, all over the place. But I mean, you go to game one, Brandon Belt goes three for four with a pretty much a big RBI. And of course, Alejandro Kirk gets um, on the board for the first time of the year uh, with the home run. So you see that. And then, of course, Brandon Belt goes one for four last night in the Thursday game. Are you sold on them coming around yet, or do you still need to see more from them? And either way, I think it's definitely a good start that both of them are starting to hit the ball well. Maybe the fact is they needed a couple home games under their belt to get going. I don't know what exactly triggered that, but it's safe to say both of them look like complete different players than what we saw in the road trip to start the year. Yeah, I'm not worried about them. I know we kind of said, like, call Brandon Belt. They don't need him. Or, I mean, that was me. I don't know if that was public, actually, where I just ripped them and said that it they was. don't need him. Okay, so, but... Yeah, the thing is, it's both him and Kirk. I know Kirk's got a little bit of a shorter career so far, but both of them are established players. We know what they're capable of. So I'm not worried. Like, yeah, if it continued, I'd be worried, but I'm not worried anymore. Uh, primarily because, or even if I was worried, I wouldn't be like, oh, this, are we getting the, the true Brandon Belt where he's struggled most of his career? No, he's been fine. So I'm not worried at all. I mean, they still have, you know, that series against the Rays. Um, and, and, you know, you look at their... April schedule with that with the with that magnetic one. I still haven't put it up. It's just on my desk. But they've still got a quite a few home games left. So even if it is just getting back in front of your home fans, they have a bit of a road trip um, next week after the the Razor here. But I think that they'll they'll come around. And at the end of the day, this lineup, like I said, it is very well constructed to win in any way. So they did hit a lot of home runs. Actually, funny enough, a record of home runs in the home opener. But you look at Brandon Belt, obviously three for four with that double, the RBI. Like they'll play small ball if he needs to, and a lot of his hits have been going to the opposite field too, which I've liked. And I think that it it just it's something where if you're worried, like I would understand it, like oh maybe Kirk is starting to regress, whatever, maybe the workload. But I'm not worried. I think that both of these players are established, and I, I think that they'll both be fine. 
and it's huge for the lineup. I mean, Brandon Belt, the reason why he came here, of course, we talked about it the last episode, and of course, Alejandro Kirk, pretty much the reason why he was in the lineup last night, uh, catching Chris Bassett once again, which was not supposed to happen uh, in the spring, of course. It was Danny Jansen working with him, and then uh, the second start in Anaheim, Alejandro Kirk was only playing that game because Danny Jansen had a stomach bug. So the fact that he's swung the bat a lot better uh, over the last couple of days, that kept him in the lineup to catch Chris Bassett another start. It's good to see that they're both coming around at the plate. And I'm gr- of course, the expectations of Brandon Belt are obviously a lot lower uh, just in terms of the circumstances. But I mean, for him to be anywhere close to what we saw these last three games against the Tigers, of course... The Tigers not the best team. That's one thing, of course, we we must consider. But the fact that he just looks more comfortable at the plate, for me, is very important uh, going forward. So that's pretty much, I guess, what happened throughout the series. Of course, lots of little takeaways in terms of how this team looked for the first couple games. And, of course, not much to talk about in terms of that third game. It was just very dull offensively. And really, the only thing that came across good from that game last night on the Thursday was Chris Bassett striking out seven and six innings. So... I don't know if we're too worried about that offensive blip last night or just something that we haven't seen or we just didn't see them very comfortable. And of course, besides that point, this team has been coming back a lot late in games and everything like that. So I guess that's just one thing to kind of just forget about and move on to the next day. And of course, this is a big weekend tonight or starting tonight. And then, of course, what you mentioned throughout the rest of the series or the rest of the schedule in April, it's going to be tough series for the Jays coming up. You mentioned it. They got to go to Houston after this weekend. They got to play the Yankees, the White Sox, and then they got to play the Mariners. So uh, definitely a tough second half of April of the April schedule for them, but uh, we don't want to look too far ahead. So I guess one more thing I'll ask you before we got to wrap up today uh, on a quicker note is your overall thoughts now. Of course, you were able to be there on Tuesday. You were able to stand in the left field section of where the old Blue Jay Central desk was. What is your overall thoughts on the renovations at Rogers Center? What were your first impressions like? So Mark and I kind of had this running joke. He's like, if you say that it feels like a ballpark instead of a stadium, he was going to get but. I think it does actually feel like that. Like you walk, even if you're just walking in the outfield, like the concourse, it feels as if, oh, I can watch batting practice and it's not just like a bunch of seats everywhere. So I I think it's, it's cool. I really do like it. My only concern I think with it is, and it's not really the the fault of who made it. I think the fact that it was the home opener and you have 50,000 people there made it way too crowded. Like we, um, did you go up to the 500s? I, I actually don't know if you did. Did not get a chance to. I'd like to. I'm going this weekend again. So yeah, it's. I'll probably check it out again on uh, Saturday. Hopefully, like I did check it out. Um, a couple of our listeners and Mark and I, we did a like a big tour of all of the new areas. It's, uh, it's nice. I really do like it. But I won't lie, I felt like a like I was in a sardine can walking up those 500 areas. Like it was just way, 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 way too crowded. But it's it's a nice area i think don't as time dies down like to be fair it was the home opener and it was new and granted i was also walking around so i can't complain that other people were walking in those areas but i think as the novelty of it dies down you'll see people yeah go check it out but also want to sit in their seats and i like it overall i guess the only that would be my only concern is we would constantly hear people say okay and now we're going to go to our seat it'd be like the fourth inning and then you have people who got general admission who can't go to a seat but it's nice. I do like it. I think it does make the the whole area feel a lot more open. Um, I do. I haven't checked out the Schneider's one. I only checked that out for like a couple seconds. But I it it is cool. I do really like it, and I think that it it aids in the whole idea of you're not just here to sit down and watch a game. Like you can actually lounge and and enjoy the the time. 
Yeah, 100%. And I've always noticed, too, in the 100 level is that once you get to the outfield concourse, it definitely gets a little bit crammed. But, of course, opening day and all that, we know that that was pretty much a peak of what they're going to see throughout the year, minus a couple other occasions throughout the year like Canada Day. And, of, co- of course, hopefully postseason games where it's going to be that full. But, I mean, it was a good turnout this week. Uh, I definitely agree with you. The one thing I noticed is that you can definitely notice the walls being a lot more, a little bit more in for me. Um, I was also just paying attention throughout all the home runs this series. You know, I don't want to call them cheap home runs, but like if there was any wall scrapers or anything like that, and there actually wasn't any this uh, this series from what I looked at. A lot of these home runs that both teams hit uh, were legitimate home runs, or I would say they would be home runs at the Rogers Center from previous years as well. So that's just one thing that I guess I'm keeping an eye out. But yeah, I agree with you in terms of the cool viewing spaces and everything like that. I know how Mark's... uh, Mark's opinion on it, but I'm not. I'll let him. I guess share that for another episode down the line. But for me, I really like the changes. It's definitely something that's refreshing for me as well to see these these new stuff. Of course, the stuff in the outfield and how the wall is just not a basic, you know, a, across uh, the diamond. So that's definitely something that um, I noticed throughout the. Uh, I guess the, the first series at Rogers Center for sure. And you wanted to mention one more thing before I ask you about the series predictions. Yeah, really quickly. Please, nobody throw beer cans at the bullpen. Like, we saw that. Um, I mean, the the guy that, um, I can't remember what pitcher it was. but somebody Jason basically, Trev, yeah. Yeah, was, like, yelling in his ear. S- do that, like, three steps back. Please, like, I don't even want to get into the whole heckling that happened at the Raptors game. That just irritates the crap out of me. But heckling is okay within its limits. Um, and, and please just don't throw beer because the last thing anybody wants is the walls to be raised. And then the whole point of like being able to see the relievers and the starting pitchers is gone. Just have fun. Enjoy the game. Nobody wants a beer can thrown at them I or somebody say, yelling in their ear. From what I've seen, it sounds like DeMar DeRozan's daughter will be making the trip to Miami as well. So I know you felt about that, but that and was of course- the most, that was a <laughs> disgrace to sports. I don't care if DeMar DeRozan is a Toronto legend. Okay, we're gonna we'll we'll leave it there with that talk. But of course, in the bullpen though, like you can definitely notice how close everything is for sure. So, one more thing before we wrap it up. Of course, we have to be a little bit more quick today. Your series predictions this weekend. Mark has sent his in. He is predicting uh, one out of three this weekend with the Sunday being the victory. Don't ask me in terms of who was right this past series. That's something that's more important to Mark. So I guess I'll, I mean, you were obviously the one that was the most correct in terms of the updated standings and all that. I'll let Mark figure that out. He is going with one out of three this weekend with Sunday being the win. Jacob, what are your series predictions this weekend? Well, here's the thing with Sunday. Shane McClanahan is scheduled to start for the Rays, so I wouldn't put that as lock. I'm going to say they win one out of three, just like Mark said, but I think they win the Saturday game. Barrios is a coin flip at best right now. Um, Just looking at pitching matchups, you know, Yusei Kikuchi versus uh, Josh Fleming. I'm to be fair, it could change. I think that was the one game on the broadcast with some changes, but I, I would say that they win that middle game. Unfortunately, I do think the Rays extend that win streak, um, but I think that the Blue Jays give them their first couple losses or first loss. They are coming in here undefeated. Um, I will say this: I think I believe the Rays are one game away from making history in terms of like the best start out of franchise history, or it's something like that across baseball. The one pitcher standing in their way is Jose Barrios, who can possibly stop that from happening. But of course, look, I want to take two out of three. It's just the fact is, I get it that Tampa's had an easy schedule to start the year, but winning 13 games in a row, you you, you have to recognize that. And that's something that's very impressive no matter who you're, pitch, or you're playing against. So I will probably say, 
I'm going to agree with Mark and go one out of three, and I think the Sunday game is going to be the winner with Alec Manoa. It's just for me, like I said at the last episode of Barrios, I can't really, I'm not going to predict a win from him until I see it. I already did that the first time around. It didn't work out, so I avoided that in the Anaheim series uh, throughout the last couple weeks. And then Yusei Kikuchi is another wild card on that Saturday game. And, of course, we talked about how good the race pitching has been as well. I mean, they got – I don't think they have a starter listed for Saturday yet, so it's probably going to be an opener. And you mentioned it's Drew, Drew Matt Rasmussen tonight. Uh, and then, of course, Shane McClanahan on Sunday. So I'll say one out of three with the Sunday being the only victory. Tampa's hot right now. But, of course, the Jays can do everything they can to make sure they leave Toronto um, not undefeated anymore. So that's going to be the one thing that is going to be pretty much a topic of conversation. But I think that covers everything and we'll wrap it up from there as always you can support our podcast link in our bio and on social media and link below this episode from there you can check out our youtube our bias of coffee our discord everything is all there uh throughout everything a big series this weekend versus the rays let's hope by the next time we record which will probably be at sunday at the end of the weekend the rays are no longer undefeated the one guy stopping or preventing history for the race tonight it's Jose Barrios. Let's hope all goes well. Let's hope we're all wrong with our series predictions and this turns out to be a series win. We'll catch you next time. Bye.